Episode 10 Those Who Liked to Fly in 1984 Soft fingers of mist streaked walls of glass on a black tower, blurring the reflections of life that came from the streets below. Forty stories of offices stacked to the heavens, and like the ziggurats of ancient Babylon, at the top sprawled a shrine, a vast penthouse of plush carpets and polished wood. And this night, like so many nights, it was lit only by candle glow. On the walls danced shadows cast by the costliest of primitive collections. A hundred leering masks of demon deities, idiot gods with dangling tongues and breasts and penises. And beneath this spittle immortalized in wood sprawled couches and chairs of the finest Italian leather. Like the spirit shrines of Sumer, in the center of this room lay the heart of desecration, a great circular bed. Around it sat seven hand-carved chairs. Enthroned in each was a robed figure whose face was hidden beneath a cowl. Motionless, they stared at the bed. On the embroidered coverlet squatted a little boy. Next to him lay a stack of clean white paper. In his fist he gripped a pen, and with it drew endless circles and squares crammed with tiny symbols. Slowly one of the cowls was drawn back, revealing Alton France, the silver-haired psychiatrist. With the grace of the heavenly hosts, I greet you. In the spirit of the eternal, let the council begin. The man perched next to him pulled back his hood, revealing a gnome-like face smeared with a speckled goatee. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God! Jasper, you've been grunting and groaning for the past twenty minutes. It disrupted the entire meditation. What is wrong with you? Don't you feel it? Am I the only one with the slightest sensitivity? What a gift it would be if you Rogerians learned to construct a single declarative sentence. Another cowl parted, and a razor-thin face framed in gray hair emerged. I share Jasper's disquiet. There is a terrifying aura exuding from this child. Describe it, James. The voice that spoke from the chair on his right creaked with the rasp of ten thousand cigarettes. Well, the primary emanation is black, but with dagger-like streaks of gold piercing down from above, a fire of indigo is blazing from the brow chakra. For those of us not so esoterically inclined, would you please elucidate? His aura is overwhelmingly and hideously dangerous. Or maybe you've just been smoking too much weed. The cowl of a crimson robe peeled back to reveal the smirking face of a handsome young man. Clearly what we have here is a mentally disabled child with the artistic abilities of an idiot savant. The razor face turned to glare at him. And where do savant abilities come from, Edgar? Have your rats informed you of that? I spoke to them this morning, and they assured me that they don't come from invisible emanations. The cowl with the cigarette voice turned toward Alton, France. Let's get on with it. I'm leaving for Vancouver in three hours. You aren't the only one with a busy schedule, Sidney. I'm taping three shows a week. From a notebook, France withdrew a sheet of paper. Gentlemen, each of you received a drawing. 
You have noted the symbols within the squares. I have had them analyzed by scholars at four universities. All are agreed that they represent a language. While it appears that the boy is repeating the same marks over and over, there are tiny differences throughout, some so small that they can be seen only with a magnifying glass. The young man in the crimson robe squinted at the paper. Well, if it's a language, do you have a translation? Unfortunately, the structure eludes us. Dr. Linnaeus Boyne, Dean of Ancient Semitic Languages at the University of Chicago, believes it resembles Ugaritic. In his opinion, he's found symbols that could be translated terror, wind, ocean, and father star. Unfortunately, others profoundly disagree. The analysis continues, but the child's writing isn't the only reason that I called for this emergency council. Since he has been under the care of my staff, disturbing events have occurred. For instance, during the past eight weeks, many of us have been stabbed with ballpoint pens. Ballpoint pens? <laughs> the cowl with a rasping voice began to snicker. I assure you that there is nothing humorous about it. One of my colleagues impaled the roof of his mouth on a fragment of Bic embedded in a cheeseburger. Personally, I have sat on three. One flipped from a desk into my secretary's eye. Poltergeist manifestations emanating from a retard. The handsome young man steepled his fingers. Perhaps James could smoke a little more weed and channel the shade of J.B. Rhine for a consultation. The razor face snarled. As always, you insist on insulting me. Enough. France raised his hand for silence. There's no time for our usual descent into puerile bickering. It might interest all of you to know that in addition to pan attacks, my staff has suffered two miscarriages and four automobile collisions, and every one of us has been subjected to the most horrifying lucid nightmares. Sidney stared at the child. What does your colleague Jack Carsons think? Unfortunately, Jack left for Afghanistan the very day the child came into our possession, and he isn't due to return for another month. What about our friends on the Potomac? Have you consulted them? Absolutely not. They would take control of the boy and keep him isolated for years. We can't risk that. Sidney took a deep breath and slowly expelled it. Well, I've been watching him scribble for half an hour. It's quite apparent what he's doing. He's taking dictation. Observe how he stops for a moment as though listening and then begins again. The pattern is consistent. And by the sheer volume of the scribbles, I'd say that what he is receiving is a book. France's eyes narrowed. The thought has occurred to me, but what kind of a book? Probably the book of the damned and all of us are in it. No one laughed. But whatever he's writing, if my hypothesis is correct, he can't be allowed to finish. Oh, for God's sake, someone take the pen from him! The words came choking from the gnome. We've tried. The lucid dreams and attacks grew much worse. I have been in communication with Madame Lalaura. What does she say? With her best efforts, she could discover nothing. All her inquiries led to darkness, which frightened her exceedingly. She believes that he presents the gravest threat and recommends that we take drastic action. Edgar twiddled the hem of his crimson robe. Is that a euphemism for killing him? Yes. She wants us to kill him right here tonight? 
immediately. It is her belief that he is a creation of the enemy, clear proof that we are moving toward the final confrontation. According to our charter, any lethal act must be empowered by a unanimous vote of the Council. Are we prepared to make such a determination? I put the question to all of you. If you agree that this threat must be eradicated, please raise your hand. One by one, seven hands were raised. Sidney spoke in measured tones. Caution, brothers. If this is a seated aberration, attempting to end its life could be very dangerous. France nodded. I agree. To that end, I suggest that we enter a time of unified prayer to bring the presence. Sidney, as our Levitican, would you lead us as you feel directed? All eyes closed. Fourteen hands opened and turned upward. For long minutes there was silence. Finally, from the ravaged face came a guttural hum, followed by incoherent, half-sung syllables. A second man joined in, then a third, and on until all were chanting. Suddenly their voices deepened, and, as though from far away, others joined them. At first the little boy didn't seem to notice. But as it continued, into his face came a look of irritation. He grunted. A few seconds later, he grunted again, this time louder. Finally, he threw down his pen, and his mouth flopped open. For the first time, he turned dead eyes to stare at the men. One by one, beginning with Alton France and ending with the gnome, he fixed them with an odd gaze. None saw him do it because their eyes were closed. With a snarl, he picked up a clean sheet of paper. On it he drew an image that he had never drawn before. Wings without a body. Instantly the room began to shake, and the men opened their eyes. The next morning the following story and banner headline raced around the world. Seven leading psychologists murdered. Seven board members of the American Psychological Union, including famed author and television personality Dr. Alton France, died last night in what police are calling a bizarre mass execution. Witnesses reported that they heard a crash and a roar, followed by screams. A moment later, seven bodies were thrown through a hole in the wall of the 40th floor penthouse of the Nurgle building. Police have no suspects. Clients of all the psychologists are being interviewed. After the men were gone and the room was quiet, the little boy went back to drawing. He had just finished the first circle when a glow appeared beside him. A silvery form touched his shoulder. Climbing down from the bed, he let the brightness lead him away. A personal message to you from Robert Dagan. As you hear these words, do you believe that I am able to see you? I don't mean see exactly how you look. I'm talking about visualizing the uniqueness of your soul. All of us are interconnected on a deeper level than we could ever imagine, and in a mysterious way, as I speak these words, I feel connected to you. Nothing happens by chance. I am a mentalist. I have acute powers to visualize and form words that create reality. I want to give you strength to face whatever lies ahead. I can sense that you doubt this. Would you give me a chance to prove it? 
let's perform an experiment. If it helps, think of it as a game. I'm going to make four specific predictions about your life, and if they come true, you will know that we have entered into a unique relationship beyond that of listener and speaker. Here are my predictions. Write them down. Number one. Sometime during the next 30 days, you will discover an amount of money that you did not expect to find. It may come to you through the mail or in some other way. Perhaps you will come across it in your home. This is definitely going to happen, and when it does happen, remember that I told you. Number two. Sometime during the next 30 days, an old friend or acquaintance will seek you out. It will be someone that you haven't spoken to in a very long time. What they say will make you remember joys and sorrows of the past. Number three. Sometime during the next 30 days, you will receive startling news about someone close to you. This information will make you think about life beyond this world. Number four. Sometime during the next 30 days, you will hear something in my book that will change you forever. Now let's be clear. I know my first three predictions happen at various times to everyone, but I've put a specific timetable on them, 30 days, and the fourth prediction is my gift to you. When they come true, please write and tell me. The preceding was from the audiobook of Robert Dagan's best-selling autobiography, Empowering Light, Overcoming Darkness.